Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Alst from Strata Central. Hi, hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I am great. Thank you very much for joining me this week, our Strata Manager extraordinaire, here to share her wins and her challenges. I too have a win and a challenge to be sharing this week. Let's start with your challenge, Rena. Hit me. It relates to the fact that sometimes we don't get copied in emails relating to reports, certain advices, perhaps from third parties, quotes, etc. So I've had a few different instances where I'm at a meeting and the building manager's tailing their report and they mention that there's these quotes to be accepted, which really should be on the agenda in, in the first instance. But putting that part aside, there's actually no copy of the actual quote. So I'll just say the company and the amount. And I'm thinking, well, where's the actual quote? I think Dennis Corporation's records should really reflect the fact that it actually has a quote from someone. The other thing also that I'm finding is sometimes with consultants, if they're working on a project and they'll, you know, submit a request or obtain, say, a brief or a report from a third party, but then we don't actually get that. They'll say, oh, we submitted that. I had one which is like it's called a, a fire engineering brief questionnaire which had to go to the fire brigade. And our consultant said, oh, yeah, I've submitted the report and the questionnaire to them. And I said, yeah, but where is it? Like I actually need to see what you've submitted because the problem is that people don't think about things at the time, but later on you might need that something happens, there's a change of committee, there's a change of managing agent. And if we don't have things that are actually received and they're paid for, I said to the um, consultant, I said, I want to see what we've paid for. <laughs> That's what I want to see. And then the next minute I've, I've got it straight away. But And sometimes committee members, like they don't, they confer with lawyers. And I know, I'm not talking about things that are privileged perhaps, but I'm more talking about they receive advice and it's back and forth between them. And then we have a meeting and we say, oh, there was an advice from the lawyer. I said, but I haven't seen it. And then sometimes you have strata searches happening. We don't have all the information. So I just think that I know that people sometimes don't want to copy us in, one, because they're trying to sort of minimise our email volume, which I'm really grateful for. But sometimes I think, oh, you know, like they don't even think of the strata manager, I think, in that context that they should be aware. Or perhaps some people I know from what I've seen hearing lately on some of these different mediums relating to how much strata managers are charging thinking oh well you know if i have to get billed every time the strata manager receives an email or, or reads something then we're going to be billed but i think it's already sort of a bit of a balance in between maintaining owners corporations records correctly and properly and then on the other hand deciding okay is there a cost to this and trying to weigh up the the balance between the two different issues that are in people's minds, Amanda, but I still think that sometimes committees have a proprietary mindset when it comes to information and it really doesn't belong to them. They're only just the committee, you know, in that particular period. And then they may continue for years and years. I'm not saying that committees always change, but sometimes someone, we've had like some key person sells and then everyone else doesn't even know what's going on. Mm. And I might throw a hand grenade in there and say, and in some communities, records are intentionally not provided to the strata manager because some owners don't want certain things to be on the record and to be made available to potential purchasers. So there is a conscious or unconscious decision to withhold things. If I can go back to the 
quote that you were referring to, Rena, and committee members obtaining quotes, building managers obtaining quotes, and then simply letting you, the strata manager, know that they want to engage X person for X sum of money to do Y job. How does a committee approve this work if there is no record of this quote? I mean, at some point, I imagine there needs to be a committee meeting that attaches that quote to the notice of committee meeting and there's a motion to approve the attached quote. So I'm not sure how building managers or committees think that it's possible to properly authorise work without giving a copy of the quote to the strata manager, I suppose is my point. Yeah, it happens all the time. Like I had a meeting a few weeks ago and there was like a summary that the building manager had completed of of all their quotes they wanted approval for. And some of the quotes were included in like another report where you had to click on, which is fine. I mean, it's all articulated quite clearly and you just click on it. So I understand these building management software systems allow building managers to insert documents and then you just click on it. That's not an issue. But there were some other quotes that hadn't been sent to me. I'm not sure they'd been sent to this committee or all the committee members maybe. And then next minute, like I'm saying, well, where's the quote? Like, And also like there were various options and I'm here to record in the minutes which option, but I don't even have the quote to understand what options being approved. And So you were actually in the meeting realising that copies of the quotes weren't available. Yeah. And everyone's just saying, yeah, let's go ahead. It's like, oh, you know, I got a quote and I'm thinking, well, where is the quote? And then, oh, yeah, I'll send it to you. It's like, well, no, no, like <laughs> first of all, it wasn't on the agenda, number one, which also concerns me. But the second thing is that, yeah, I'm just being told, oh, you know, I'll send it to you. And it's like we should have it. The records of the Ants Corporation should reflect all the source documents that it's being asked to consider or it's being asked to, you know, take action on or whatever the, the case may be. But it's happening quite a lot and I'm actually finding it a lot more and more now where people, like I said, don't include us. And I think sometimes, matter you're right, there could be some element in some cases where people don't want us to know because they know that once they email us, it's on the record. But sometimes I get emails where I think to myself, do you know this is on the record and <laughs> what you just said? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. It is a challenge and it's a good one to be calling out. And I suppose as a strata manager, the best you can be doing is to be responding as it sounds like you do, Rena, and say, hey, I need that. This needs to be attached to the agenda. We can't make a decision on that in the absence of this document. And ultimately, it's all about transparency. These buzzwords that we like to use, at least here on the podcast, and I know many listeners in my inbox and in our member forum are using them, transparency and accountability. And by having up-to-date, accurate complete records. That is how you tick those transparency and accountability boxes. And also the other thing, Amanda, too, that we're finding also with transfer of records. I mean, because people get lots of things by email, unless there's there's a mechanism of adding it to a document management system or you save it somewhere and you don't get the emails. And like I've got this new scheme and I I don't have anything. And the committee doesn't have anything because they were compulsorily managed. And they're going to be, oh, just just ask the strata manager, the old one. It's like, they won't give me anything. Like people don't realize that you know, if they had on the document management system, they would have given it to me. It's just that it hasn't been saved anywhere. So, yeah. mm. The history of the building is recorded in its documents. And as a strata manager, you're the custodian of those documents. So it's important that they're up to date. Moving on to my challenge for this week. This is a question that's been raised by a member in our forum, Rena, and I thought I'd bring it to you. It's another one of those really practical day-to-day management questions, not necessarily a legal question and I'm interested in your thoughts. The question is this, is there any way to identify whether a pipe needs maintenance work before it bursts or do these things just 
break at some point in time and all you can do is call a plumber and deal with the consequences. The same with a roof. How do you know whether it needs repairing, when it needs repairing? Is it possible to be on the front foot with these kinds of repair and maintenance items before the worst happens, whether it's a burst pipe or a storm event and suddenly the roof is leaking into the top floor apartments. Rena, are you working with any particularly proactive buildings who have this under control or is it really a matter of just having to react to these kinds of situations? Yeah, it's more the latter, Amanda, reacting. I think it's a very good point that your member raises in relation to the roof because with the roof, Sometimes when you've had an event, then you they go up and they go, oh, there's X amount of cracked tiles or whatever. So I think if committees want to be proactive, they can probably engage a roofing contractor when it's not raining at the moment, which is probably a good time to do it because when they're busy, you'll never get anyone to give you that advice or even as a matter of what you want to pay them. <laughs> um, so that would be a good idea to actually get perhaps an annual check of your roof tiles if they're older or or there's been some problems in the past. Now, in terms of burst pipes, I don't think it's really that easy to find out the pipe's going to burst. But I think sometimes in older buildings where it could be issues in certain rises of the building or there's been like a lot of hammering noise. I've just had one email today actually just by chance where one of the tenants said to the agent, well, you know, I can hear this hammering noise. And the building manager said, oh, well, we had the plumber out and he said it could be the cistern leaking or something in the next apartment. And the guy said, no, because it's banging. When, when the pumps were turned off the other day, the banging stopped. So I think that sometimes there are sometimes some signs that owners and tenants can bring to the attention of the building manager or the managing agent that might allude to something happening like that. But unfortunately, I don't know in terms of pipe work how anyone would be able to monitor that in a maintenance type of way. Mm. The point about the roof, that point is coming to a podcast episode near you very soon. I have interviewed a waterproofing expert. I won't reveal much more than that. And that chat does cover maintenance of our waterproof membranes on our roofs and what we should be doing there. So thanks for that reminder, Rena. That will be out very soon. And yeah, look, unless there's an expert out there, a plumber or some other building expert who can let us know about the proper regular maintenance of pipes. And, and we're talking about pipes you can't see, aren't we? Pipes that are in the wall, pipes that might be in the ceiling that when they go, they really do cause some damage. I know that we have in many buildings, we have these flexi hoses that are within our kitchen and bathroom cabinets that connect our sinks to the building plumbing and those kinds of things I'm sure we can look at and know whether they're very old and frayed and they're about to go. A lot of buildings, Amanda, actually have, like, we've implemented programs like that for many buildings because we know that they're old and we're having, like, and normally what we try and do is have an inspection when there's a fire inspection happening, say, in every apartment. So we try and mirror a plumber to go in at the same time. And, and we've given, actually, like, a report to the committee and then the committee have decided, you know, we can engage the plumber on a much cheaper basis to replace each one per lot because they're there for a day or two or a week or whatever. I like that. Yeah, and in, but in some cases there's been instances where the insurance company has forced the owners corporation to replace them because of numerous claims. So the insurance company in one particular building said to us, unless you have a program, you go in and you check every single one and, and replace them, then we're not going to insure you. So even though it was a lot owner fixture because it's within the airspace and under, under the sink of the respective residents, the insurer didn't care and, of course, the community decided by the time we try and you know invoice each person separately, and for those that already had new ones, it wasn't going to. It was going to be more of an exercise of greater cost to try and invoice individuals separately than just to 
the Ants Corporation just to pay it because it was a measure that was determined by the insurance company to be needed for renewal of the policy. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'm glad that we're talking about that because it is a common one. And it's the kind of thing that when one of those hoses breaks or bursts, especially if someone's away, even if they're just at work or if they're away on holidays, then it causes flooding and a lot of consequential damage. And yes, it's the kind of damage that would usually be covered by an owner's corporation's building insurance policy, as I understand it, even though that hose itself is not common property. And it sounds like that approach is being taken by your buildings is a sensible one, Rena. Let's just do the process of auditing everybody and making sure that we can tick that box because it's just not worth it having to deal with the catastrophic damage that can flow, literally flow from that kind of issue. <laughs> exactly. Amanda. But just, it's funny because I just had the same issue today that um, we've taken over a building. There was a burst Lexi hose last year and the committee is saying, that why has it been submitted as an insurance claim by the previous manager who told them not to? It's not common property. And I said, no, no, it's a fixture under the building policy. So people have to remember common property is one thing, but building insurance and a damage policy and what the owners corporation must insure is fixtures. So it is a fixture. That's number one. So that's why it's covered when it comes to an insurable event like a burst one. But it was just leaking. We had one that was just leaking and it caused that. That wouldn't be covered by the insurance policy on the most part, depending on your policy wording, because a leak is not deemed to be an insurable event. So that's something where the difference is, yeah. Yep, great way to explain it. Thank you, Rena, and thank you to our member for asking that question. Hopefully that gives you some guidance in that respect. If you have a, a view on this particular topic, please do post a comment for us over on the website under this episode. That's over at yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash podcasts. We always like to hear from our listeners. Rena, your win for this week. My win for this week relates to a owner who was very upset about their levies and they were in arrears and, and the owners corporation had tried to, through the strata committee, ask them to submit a payment plan, which they sort of refused to do. Or they said that, can you tell me what we should pay? And we're saying, no, no, you've got to tell us what you can pay. And the owners corporation will then decide whether that's an acceptable payment plan. Anyway, he started screaming on the phone, blah, blah, you know, we tried to calm him down. And then he actually came into the office, which I think sometimes is a bit scary for some of the staff members because, you know, he was apparently a big guy, a builder type of person. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but it was it was a bit intimidating. So one of my staff members went out who was, you know, he has a very calm disposition, which is probably a good thing to have in these circumstances. And he basically tried to explain to him because he thought that the person that was communicating with him was the person making the decision. So what he doesn't didn't realise that it wasn't us that was saying, we don't accept what you're submitting or please submit something or we're going to refer to the debt collecting lawyers. He thought that the person that was communicating with him was the one that was telling the committee and was the person in charge. And I think you might have mentioned this perhaps, Amanda, in one of your previous episodes about the fact that many owners don't understand the law of agency and that the strategy doesn't actually have the power that some people think that we have, that thing that we're making the decision. You know, And even though we tell people this is what the committee have said, I think for those owners that don't go to meetings and he's never been to a meeting and that when people go into financial hardship, you know, they, they take it out on the wrong person. I mean, we're, we're just the messenger. And um, unfortunately, you know, my staff went out and explained to him that, you know, no, we're just being told by the committee that the people at the AGM, they get elected like a board of directors for a company. They tell us what to do, et cetera. And also the committee is obviously acting within the framework of the legislation and also within the framework of the AGM resolutions that empower them to recover outstanding levy contributions. Also in this building, they had, you know, they were running out of money because they have a fire order. 
They had to replace some of their roof membranes. So there was significant costs. So sometimes in a sort of medium to small size building, having one owner in significant arrears does affect the cash flow and ability to pay invoices. I know that shouldn't really happen, but sometimes, as we know, a lot of our expenses, they've been rising, they've been going over budget. There are things that you only find out when the work is being done that they haven't been aware of when they provided quotations. All I think managers and a lot of owners out there would be familiar with this type of problem. But I think sometimes in terms of strata managers, because we're the face of the bad news, then people actually sometimes erroneously think that we're the ones that are making those decisions and we're not. We're just basically just trying to do our job, which I think can be really hard, I think, for managers, especially when you're dealing with that type of aggressive behaviour when it's not really our fault. And I mean, I don't know what's happening in his life either, but it's one of those things where sometimes people take it out on the wrong people when they're going through hardship. And when your very calm staff member was able to explain all of that, was that well received by the owner? Yeah, I think when he, yeah, because he went out, he spoke to him, he, he told him, he said, listen, it's not, you know, us, it's, we take instructions, you know, so it's not the lady that's been emailing you, so please don't be upset with her. And yeah, he, he calmed right down after that, which was good. It was a good outcome and that's why I've got it as a win. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I think it's a very prevalent misunderstanding on the part of lot owners that sometimes the power of the strata manager isn't always is what people think it is. Mm. And a good tip there for managers to be aware that perhaps that's the way the owners are thinking and misunderstanding, there's a breakdown in communication there, misunderstanding that it's not the strata manager making the decision, the strata manager is acting on the instructions of their principal, which is the owner's corporation generally via the strata committee and just explaining that to the person on the other end of the phone or on the other side of the email can help to de-escalate a situation quickly, which is great. Yeah. Excellent. My win for this week, this was actually a win shared by a fellow strata lawyer. Some of you listening may have seen this on LinkedIn. The strata lawyer who shared this, his name is Christopher Kieran. If you're tuning in, Chris, hello. Chris is a partner at Kieran Benson Lawyers together with Alison Benson, who has been a guest on the show here previously. And Chris posted on LinkedIn a photograph of a plaque that he had walked past in Bondi Junction. It is a plaque affixed to a strata building and the plaque says this. I'm going to read it out in full. It's public. It's a plaque that you can see yourself if you were to walk past this building in Bondi Junction. It says, in honour of the memory of Dr. Michael Hafer, whose dedicated and long service as chairman of the Owners Corporation of this building, 1994 to 2021, will always be remembered with the utmost gratitude and appreciation. That is a plaque that a community has decided to place outside its building in a public area to recognize a former chairperson. Isn't that glorious, Raina Van Oust? Yes, I think it's the first time I've ever seen this ever in any building, in any context. I mean, you see it when you look at building plaques that have people that have opened a building by this, the Premier opened the building in 1975 or that, that type of thing, but you never see anyone giving gratitude in such a public way for someone's efforts. And I think the thing that people don't realise when you're a committee member is that you know, it's all free. Like they're not paid to put up with, you know, people's bad behaviour and they're not paid to do all the work that they're doing. And yet some people do it so well and so graciously and it's really lovely, Amanda, to see that some people recognise that and through their gratitude have displayed something that's really, to me, like an unforgettable symbol. 
Absolutely. And a lot of the comments on LinkedIn under Chris's post were saying, wow, uh, I've never seen that before. That's fantastic. I think Chris was posting it saying he'd never seen that before. Had anyone seen something similar? And happily, there were actually a few comments there saying, yes, there's another one in this building or in this suburb or yeah, there's a few of them out there. So I thought it was one that I couldn't not bring here to the podcast to share with other communities. Either you've seen this or it's something you might think about doing for a long-serving committee member, uh, whether they're still with us or not. I, I wasn't sure how to read that, plaque. whether that was someone who was uh, clearly there were a number of years mentioned there where that person was the chairperson. Uh, the plaque was there in memory of them. So I'm not sure if they're still part of that community or not, but whether your committee members are still in the building or they've moved away, it's a, a really lovely idea if that is someone who your community would like to remember to recognize them in that way. Yeah, I think it's fantastic, Amanda. It's such a lovely, heartwarming gesture. And I think a lovely place to finish up our chat for this week. Thank you very much for spending time with me again here on the podcast, Rena Van Elst. Thanks, Amanda. Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at yourstrataproperty.com.au.